I am thrilled uh, to have Keith Kraft with us here tonight and this weekend. Of course, he's preaching this weekend for us. Uh, it doesn't matter what campus you go to, you'll, you'll see the message. It's going to all the campuses. And uh, I'm thrilled. Uh, a few years ago, I don't remember exactly when it was that we met, um, but we were waiting in line to register for an event. It was out in California. I remember that. And uh, most of the pastors that were there didn't look anything like Keith. I'm just going to let you know that. And uh, a lot of them had pulpit blisters, if you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, you know, just different things. And, you know, and, and he's standing in line, and he's got his shirt, like a, a polo-type shirt, and his biceps are as big as my head. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, is he at the wrong conference? <laughs> no, seriously, I was thinking that. And so I lean over to Darren Poli, who's now our executive pastor. He was a pastor of another church then. I said, I'm going to go meet that guy right up there. And I said, within 30 seconds, I'll know if he's at the right conference. And then within 30 seconds after that, I'll know if I like him or not. That's what I said, behind Keith's back. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So behind his back, I said that. And so I walk up. I said, hey, I don't know if you're at the right place right here. Uh, this is a pastor's conference. He's like, yeah, I'm at the right place. And I'm like, serious, because you don't look like anybody here, you know. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm supposed to be here. I'm glad to be here, part of it. And so we started talking. And within about 30 seconds, I look at Darren. I go, I like this guy. All right, we're good. And so I didn't take you out. But anyways. But <laughs> it was just good. At that moment, I said, I just want to know what you do, why you're here, what's going on. And he started talking. And from there, we struck up a friendship. The Lord brought our paths back together. Uh, a lot of times when I'm traveling, I'm looking for God moments. I'm looking for the moments where God puts me in proximity to somebody that has a message for our church that will help me pastor the church, that will help me lead this church, that has a message to bring to us. And I believe that wasn't just a chance uh, a meeting there. I believe we're signing up at the right time, and uh, God just used a spirit of boldness because I'm just not afraid to talk to people. So God used that, brought us together, and throughout the years, our paths have crossed again and again and again, and it's time to have him and his mighty men uh, be introduced here, but I want you to open up your hearts and welcome uh, Keith Kraft, somebody that I like. Can you welcome him here? Come on. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Back at you. Hey, uh, let's, let's, as men, stay standing just for a second. Let's, as men, just honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords with a loud yell, a big clap on the count of three. Give God your best. One, two, three. Come on. Yeah! Yeah! Now, now hold on just a second. Because here's, here's what you need to understand. Now stay standing just a second. It's, it's, I, I'll, I'll tell you. But um, um, you don't know this, some of you. Some of you do know this. From the time you were a little boy, the devil has been trying to steal your shout and get you to sit back and get you to watch and get you to decide in your mind, I like that or I don't like that. But I'm going to tell you in Scripture... There was always a shout. And you have to understand that. It's not a personality deal. Everybody's got a shout. By the way, I'm hoarse too. Because <laughs> I shout a lot. But the truth is that 
we're commanded to shout. Isn't it interesting that at Jericho, he didn't say, now speak the word of faith to the walls, and the walls will come down. He didn't say, speak the word of God, and the walls will come down. He just said, after you walk around there about seven times, why don't you just shout? The Bible says that God's voice is like thunder. And we have, we have power within us that we don't know. And the natural supernatural correlation of that is when I shout, I engage the God side of me. So one more time, some of you didn't do it. You just think, well, I'm kind of new around here and these guys are really weird. Uh, but one more time, I want you to decide, if you don't decide anything else tonight, I want you to decide, I'm going to get my shout back. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you get your shout back, you'll be like the guy I saw recently driving down the road. And uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm passing the guy, and, and he's just... <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I see him like doing the middle finger. like that. It's inside his car. It's not at anybody. And I'm thinking, that guy is just lost it, man. And uh, we came to a red light. All of a sudden, he looks over and goes, Pastor Keith. So anyway, so I roll down the window. He goes, I was just cussing the devil out. He said, I was flipping him off. I was cussing him out. You taught me to cuss right. I'm not advocating that. But what I'm here to tell you is, it's just time to get your shout back. On the count of three, come on, you are shouting to God himself. I just want you to give him a big hallelujah on the count of three. Come on, one, two, three. Hallelujah! Now come on, put your hands together. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. Give somebody a high five and you may be seated. Hey, I knew I was coming to Minnesota, so I wore my jacket. Actually, I didn't know it was going to be cool here. We left Texas and it was 100. We all came in t-shirts and got up here and everybody's walking around in coats and stuff. Those worship leaders, man, they had their full jacket, full body armor on. That was impressive. They didn't even look like they were sweating. But hey, I uh, want to do what my assignment is tonight, and that is to talk to you about something that maybe, I, by the way, let me just tell you, I grew up in church. I'll give you that background in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about something maybe you've never heard about, and that is that the Lord is a warrior. In fact, the first name that God has called in Scripture, a lot of people don't know this, after he's referenced as Jehovah Jireh by Abraham, the first name that he's called is Warrior. I grew up in church and I never heard that. I heard that, you know, God's name was Jehovah Sidkenu. He's our righteousness. I heard that he was Jehovah Rapha, that he was our healer. I heard that, I heard that he was Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory. I never, Rob, I never heard one time in church that the Lord is a warrior, Exodus 15, 3, and the Lord is his name. And so my assignment tonight is to talk to you about 
the think, be, do of a warrior. And you should have some notes there in front of you. Did everybody get notes? If you didn't get notes and you'd like notes, raise your hand. If you didn't get them and you'd like them, raise your hand. And ushers, if you could just help me out. Uh, just keep your hands raised just for a second. Oh, it's under your seat. Thank you very much, okay? Uh, it's just under your seat. And if it's not under your seat, then they'll pass them out to you. Somebody stole your notes from under your seat. But uh, thank you, buddy. Um, but let me, let me just talk to you about this, and that is that... that um, and I want to say something up front here. Um, how you think will determine how you'll be. And now let me go into bad English. How you be will determine what you do. So I want you to just get that. So I want to talk to you about the think, be, do of a warrior. Because how you think is ultimately how you will be. And how you be determines what you do. And then I want you to tie this together. Your think, your be, your do determines what you have in life. I have the privilege, and we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. But I have the privilege of speaking the largest business seminars in the world. It's the weirdest thing. Because I'm, I'm this pastor, and I'm on stage with every former president that you can name that's still alive, that shared the plat- I've shared the platform with, uh, people like uh, Margaret Thatcher and Mikhail Gorbachev. And I mean, I could just mention world leaders, and it would sound like, man, he's dropping some names. It's not dropping names. It's just the weirdest thing that's ever happened in my life. And for the last 12 years, I've been on these stages, and uh, speaking in between people like Rudy Giuliani and Colin Powell, and so, you know, Rudy comes up, the mayor of America, oh, people are clapping, and then I get introduced. And there's not a bunch of warriors in the room, it's just golf clap, like, who's that guy? <laughs> then Colin Powell comes up, oh, he should run for president. Uh, anyway, on and on. So, it's just the weirdest thing that God has chosen me to speak in those environments for the last 12 years. And teach what I'm about to teach you tonight, but them not know I'm teaching them that. My question to you tonight is this. Where did you learn to think like you think? Who taught you to think? Did your parents teach you how to think? Did you learn to think from your dad? Did you learn to think from your... Where did you learn how to think like you think? Because the truth is, all of us think certain ways that our family, our ethnicity, our environments, our religious background, and we're like this cacophony of, of thoughts. And yet, God says, I want you to understand something. If there's one thing you own, it's how you think. And if you own how you think, then you can own how you are or how you be. And if you'll own how you be, then you can own what you do. And you won't blame what you do on what somebody else did or didn't do. You'll own what you do because it's umbilically connected to how you be and how you think. And then, if you can own your think, if you can own your be, and if you can own your do, you'll get to own your have. What is it that I have in life? I have how I think. I have how I be. 
and I have how I do. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that tonight as it relates to a warrior, but I want to thank from the bottom of my heart, uh, Pastor Rob, for extending this invitation. And I just love the fact that he is the kind of guy that'll just walk up and introduce himself. I love the confidence that he has. I love the fact that he's leading a great church in Minnesota and, and is touching the world. And, and I want to say that I'm not saying this just to pat him on the back. I'm saying this from my heart, that you guys have got a great, great leader that is leading you as men. And again, I just want to honor your pastor one more time. Pastor Rob, thank you for, uh, for having me. We honor you. You're awesome. Thank you. And I knew how great his sons were, you know, but I really found out this week how great Logan particularly was because when Pastor Rob tweeted that um, wants you to come to our men's conference, he's no Tim Tebow, but he's good. Logan retweets and says, Dad, he's better than Tim Tebow. <laughs> I said, Logan, you go tell your dad that right now. But anyway, so I knew Logan was a great guy. But anyway, I, I love a man that's leading his family and that his kids aren't out Friday night doing something else, but they're sitting on the front row with him. And that shows your leadership. That's awesome. I respect that. So I want to jump right into this tonight and, um, and again, just tell you from the bottom of my heart how honored that I am to be here. Um, can I just get some introductions out of the way? Would that be okay with you guys? Because uh, I know I've only got about, I think he said two and a half hours. So I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to waste any time. Uh, but I did bring a few of my brethren along with me. You know, the Bible talks about David's mighty men. And God has not just called me to men. God's, God's put a mandate on my life to, to raise up men uh, and, and to pull out the warrior that's in every man. Today, one of our mighty men was talking to a guy on the airplane uh, who was an agnostic. And I was hearing their conversation. And finally, I just stuck my head around the corner and because he was... He was saying, now, what is it that you guys do? Why are you guys all wearing these shirts? Because when we go on an airplane, it's like, oh, what's happening? You know, uh, <laughs> what's going on? We're taking the plane over. That's what's going on. They, 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 they delayed our flight an hour because they were trying to figure out who we were. They were doing profile on, on all of us. So after we took our towels off of our head, uh, <laughs> I said, we're just kidding. We got the shirt. But anyway... Um, so, but seriously, we were delayed an hour, and uh, I think they were checking us all out, but, um, but anyway, I stuck my head around, it. one of our guys was talking, he said, you know, so, like, what are you guys, what are you, okay, and I heard him talking to him about God, and I said, I said, let me just cut right to the chase for a minute, the guy goes, I go, uh, you know, you're a son of God, and because you're a son of God, the Lord is a warrior, and the truth is, there's a warrior in you that a lot of times our daddies didn't help us understand that we were warriors because sometimes our daddies weren't even around. And so the truth is, in America especially, there's been what I call the pussification of the American male. He goes... <laughs> and here's what he said. He said, like his... And I can't remember his exact word, but it was something like, like oh, oh, like is that like... Uh, I said, that's actually in the Bible. That's just my interpretation of it. He goes, oh, okay, all right, okay. Anyway, so, um, so David had his mighty men, and, um, 
the Bible talks about how they were just pretty much derelicts. I mean, they were broke. They were just cast out, society cast outs. They were just, I mean, you know, just life wasn't working for them. And, and so David called them his mighty men. So I went out and find the, this most broke, <laughs> derelict, <laughs> just, just cast down, trodden men I could find so God could get all the glory. <laughs> and, and the truth is... Uh, we, we have something that's very special in our church. This represents 37 of them, but there's 250 plus of them. I can't wait for the day that we all get on a plane. We come into a conference and we say, okay, it's time to hammer down. Let's go. But anyway, I brought 37. These guys flew at their own expense, paid their own hotel bill, paid everything just to come and be with me and to be with you. And uh, so anyway, this is my mighty men. Guys, would you stand up? The mighty men right there. I love you guys. Thank you. So, so you'll hear about some of their stories tomorrow, and they get some pretty saucy stuff. Um, one of those guys sitting over there is a, a preacher's son who his father literally ran off with the organ player. He obviously didn't hear the purity message, but, uh, <laughs> but he did run off with the organ player, and it gave him an excuse just to go into the world. And man, he went all the way in the world, was hanging out in strip clubs and the whole thing, and he married Miss Texas stripper that is. But anyway, you'll hear his story tomorrow. They're elders in our church today. We have a really interesting church. You just, you know, it's, but, uh, but anyway, you'll hear his story and there's just a lot of great men of God that are over there. And so, uh, but I want you to take a look at this. How many of y'all are ready? Come on, you ready for a word from God? All right. Um, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're a man, you know what challenge is all about. And you know what controversy is all about. And that's where the man is revealed. But more than that, the warrior that we're going to talk about. What is a warrior? A warrior is a soldier. soldier he's a man that's engaged in military life. Emphatically, he's a man who is brave. And so I want to talk about the think part of a warrior tonight. And in your notes, just fill in these blanks. A warrior is a man who thinks. Everybody say thinks. He has been created in the image of God for a kingdom purpose. That's where it starts. What do you think you're put on the earth to do? I don't want you to answer that. I just want you to think about it. Well, let's see. I'm supposed to be a good dad. I'm supposed to be a good husband. And I'm supposed to be a good man. I want you to consider what's in your notes right there is that a warrior is a man who thinks he has been created in the image of God for a kingdom purpose. And what I want to tell you is that's exactly who you are. God has put you on the earth for a kingdom purpose. Each one of these men that are sitting over here along with the 240, 250 plus, and again, it's a, it is a specific number. I just don't have the specific number in my mind. I just thought, God, if you'll give me 300 of them, I can change the world, so we're almost there. But if I can just get 300 guys, you know, Jesus only took 12, but I'm not him. Uh, so <laughs> I think if I can just get 300, you know, uh, like the movie 300, then uh, I can say something like this. What is your profession? Warrior! And uh, they'll really believe that. By the way, we didn't rehearse that. You just got to know they know who they are. 
I love what one of our guys put on his bio uh, this week. I always like I say, hey, just I want you to answer four quick questions for me. And, and so I said, that as, you, as you come on the trip, um, is I want you to answer a question about who you are as it relates to your wife and your kids, because I care about that stuff. I care about who they're married to. And I do a lot of corporate coaching or have in the past. I actually have a team that does most of that now. But uh, we've, we've been a corporate coach for four, $400 million companies and that kind of thing. So uh, anyway, one of the things that's happening corporately right now, if you're a corporate guy, you know what I'm talking about, is you don't just get interviewed for a job right now. The higher level your position, they'll interview your wife too. And if your wife has never been interviewed, it's because you're not high enough level. Because the higher level you go, they'll call your wife in, and they'll say, now I want you to tell us about your husband. Because wives will tell the truth. <laughs> and the truth will either set you free or get you out the door. But, but the fact is, is that I care, about, I care about the family. I care about a man and his wife and his kids. And that for men, it's not categories. It's not, well, this is my marriage, and this is my family, and this is my job, and this is, this is my church. But when you think like a warrior, you think, I'm created to be a kingdom man. I'm created to be a warrior. It's not about this and that and that. It's about the kingdom. And so one of our... One of our guys says, uh, the second question is, what is basically, what is the, well, uh, in the context of the first question, what do you do? And he said, uh, my first occupation is I'm a warrior for God, but after that, and I thought, that's a guy that gets it. If you want to freak somebody else, somebody out, when next time they come up and like these guys and they come up and they say, hey, so what is it that you do? Just one simple answer. Just say, I'm a warrior. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I ask. No, the truth is, I go, it'll freak him out. I dare you. Next time you're on a golf course, he says, What do you do? I'm a warrior. What, what is, okay, like, what, what does that mean? Like, you in the Army, you're in the Navy, Air Force Marines? What? No, I'm, I'm a warrior for God. You see, I'm actually a son of God, and God's my father, and one of his names is Warrior. And, He's called me to be a warrior because if my dad's a warrior and I'm his son, I'm supposed to be a warrior. It'll freak him out. Anyway. A um, little bit about myself and then I want to jump into this. I, uh, I grew up, and I'll share a little bit of this tomorrow when I preach or just Saturday night and, and Sunday. Uh, but I grew up in a cop's home. My dad was... Uh, was the first man up in the Texas uh, Book Depository. He was the original CSI guy on the JFK assassination. He was the first guy there, found Lee Harvey Oswald's rifle, dusted the scene. When my brother and I got in trouble, we didn't get a spanking first. We went to jail first. The spanking came next. It's like when we were acting up, he'd go, let's go get in the car. We knew we were going to jail. And that helped me decide I never want to go to jail. Because when we went in there as kids, we were jail bait. I promise you that. But anyway, I grew up in a, a cop's home. And uh, again, I'll share more about this tomorrow. But my dad did not serve the Lord. Rob, he was a, a deacon in an Assembly of God church and was not saved. I remember when I was 11, I said, Dad, 
I want to talk to you about something. He goes, okay. I said, you don't know God. And I said, you're certainly not baptized in the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't be on any board. He goes, well, they voted me on the board. I said, that's what's wrong with the church then. I was 11. He goes, well, I guess they like me. But I grew up with an unsaved dad on the board of an AG church. Pretty interesting, huh? By the way, in the 60s, it was the largest AG church in America. And one of the board members was an unsaved pagan. My dad. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. My dad didn't know what to do with me when we were little. Um, My my nickname, um, uh, Logan, was not champion. My nickname was Squirrel. So I decided I'm going to be the biggest squirrel in the world. <laughs> he kind of worked in reverse order. You know, he spoke, didn't speak prophetically over my life. He gave me hope that I could not, could be something more than a squirrel. One day I remember I asked him, I said, Dad, why don't you call me a squirrel? You know, why not champion Bubba, um, you know, son? <sighs> he just go, hey, squirrel. And uh, he said, because you're like a squirrel, man. You'll like, be like on a tree branch. And then all of a sudden, we just see you flying to the next tree branch. All we can see is your tail. He goes, see, you're my squirrel. He was really special. Um, but I grew up in that kind of home. My mom loved God. I made a decision for the Lord when I was five. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was nine. Called to the ministry when I was nine. I've loved God and served God my whole life. And as I stand up here before you, what you're going to hear over the next two days is God poured out through an imperfect life. But I'm not doing this because it's the only thing I can do. I'm doing this because this is what I'm called to do. And I trust that you'll allow the Holy Spirit to pull something out of you in the next few minutes. That you'll just know that I'm a, I'm a guy, that, that being a warrior is not your physical size. It's not the amount of money that's in your bank account. It's not your ethnicity. It's not all those things that the world judges you by. But being a warrior is something you are because you're God's son. It's just you've got to understand, okay, how does that work? So a warrior is a man who thinks, everybody say think. Thinks he has been created in the image of God for a kingdom purpose. I just want to read you a quick scripture. It's in Genesis 126, very familiar passage of scripture. And here's what the Bible says. Then God said, let us... Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God speaks of his image. We're made in his image. And he said, according to our likeness. Likeness there means let's supernaturally endow him. So let's create him in our image, but then let's, let's add super to his natural so he can be like us. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all Over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps over the earth. And I just love that, that God's given us dominion over creeps. And always remember that. (laughs) So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Then God, I love this, then God blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion 
over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And I want to just, I want to lay that quick foundation to say that you're created in God's image. But what you may not know is that you, you have been supernaturally endowed by God to live up to that image. But not just to be a man, but to be like God. And the, the part of God that I want to focus on is the part of God that the church world, because I grew up in the church world, I, I literally cut my teeth on a church pew. I remember my, my parents, uh, when I got a little bit older, they said, that's the pew. And they showed me the pew. They said, see those teeth marks? We'd be in a service. You were so intense that you just lean over and lock in on a pew, and we could not pull your teeth off the pew. That's your teeth print in the pew. This would be a little hard because I'd you know, get through the... Uh, foam into the metal of the chair. But the fact is, in those days, there were pews. They said, that's your teeth. I grew up in that church knowing I literally cut my teeth on a church pew. I'm a church boy. I grew up in church. And yet I saw people come and I saw people go and I saw people on boards that should have never been there. I saw church governance. I saw church not relate to people, and especially men. And I grew up watching this and I grew up having best friends that when they got to be teenagers, church wasn't relevant to them anymore. And so all of a sudden, they're, you know, they're a young man. It's like, hey, I'm out. You know, I'm going to go have some fun. Because they didn't understand that God created us in His image. And He's supernaturally endowed us to do what? To be like Him. Do you realize that the first act of God was that He blessed you? Do you know that as a man, you literally have to unbless yourself? That when God created us, the first thing He did is He said, I bless you, and I bless you to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. In other words, I bless you to be like me. I bless you to be a warrior because you're my son. Some of us don't feel like we're blessed. I mean, let's get honest. We don't feel like we have the blessing of God on us. Can I tell you, you do? You just have to awaken the warrior to understand that I do have God's blessing, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done, not because of who I am, but because of whose I am. So again, a warrior is a man who thinks he's been created in the image of God for a kingdom purpose. I'm the one that's got to think that way. I've got to own that thinking that I'm created in the image of God. Next thing in your notes, the image of his kingdom. I'm created in the image of his kingdom. I'm created. The third thing is to image God's ways to wayward men. In other words, God's empowered me to empower other men. That they will look at my life and they will look at the blessing that's on me. And you know what? They won't want to be wayward anymore. To be wayward means following one's own deprived inclinations. Following no clear principle opposite of what is desired or expected. That's where a whole lot of people in the earth are and particularly men. God created each one of us in His image. Our destiny as men is to discover who we are in God, what God looks like and what God wants us to look like and to act like as men created in His own image and in His own likeness. So why is it that we need to be warriors? A couple of things, and maybe they'll be on the screen. Men commit 90% of all major crimes. Why do we need to be warriors? Because men commit 90% of the crimes. Men commit 100% of the rapes. Now, I know there's some guys that say they're raped, but if you ever meet a guy that says he's raped, just beat him up. 
Just kidding. I've heard that before, man. You know, my wife wrote me, really? I wish mine would. That's the difference between men and women. Don't get super spiritual on me. Y'all don't look at me like that. Have you ever heard of a man that was raped by a woman? I, I have. I have. Maybe it's only in Texas. I don't get it. The guy's complaining about that. Men commit 95% of all burglaries. If you don't get robbed, it's not going to be some little girl going, I'm going to put a cap in you. Why do we need to be warriors? Men commit 91% of all offenses against the family. Men comprise 94% of drunk drivers. Why do we need to be warriors? According to recent statistics of all men in America who attend church, listen to this, 10% cannot be found, 20% never attend, 25% never pray, 30% never read their Bible, 40% never give to their church on any level. 60, this is people who claim to be Christians. 60% of men never give to world missions. 75% never assume a ministry service in the church. Servant leadership does not exist in their life. So in other words, if I went down the road, I would say, okay, you two guys serve the church, but the rest of you on that road don't. That's real. Why do we need to be warriors? Because God didn't intend that. You know, you can't be a member in our church and not serve. In our church, you cannot be a member. Now, we only got three members, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> we tell them, you can come here as long as you want, but if you're a member, this is the house of God. What a privilege it is to serve. There's men who are sitting right over here. All these men, by the way, to be a mighty man, let me, let me tell you how it works at our church. First of all, somebody has to go through membership. That means the second thing happens, and they, they sign up to be a part of our teams. They begin to be a servant leader. One of the ways that I began to do stuff in corporate America in the 90s was I began to teach on servant leadership to companies, Microsoft included. And I could go on and on, but the reality is, Servant leadership is never about the entity that you're serving. It's about what it's doing inside you. And that's why you need to serve this house. Not because they need one more volunteer, but because of what it'll do for you. You know what's awesome? What's awesome is that you can actually be a guy in your company, wherever you work, that you create a place of indispensability that when they're firing and laying everybody else off, they want you. Why? Because they can't do without you. Why? Because you're not there for a paycheck. We've got a guy right now that I hired in our church away from the company where he was. But let me, as Paul Harvey would say, how many of y'all remember Paul Harvey? I'm going way back now. I'm showing you that I'm 52. Here's what Paul Harvey would say, and now the rest of the story. So I hired him away from his last company, but how did he get at his last company? Well, the company before that, they laid him off. And he had heard me preach a message that in this economy, if your company lays you off, 
I want you to go to your boss and I want you to say, I am so grateful that you've allowed me to be here for however long it's been. And until I find another job, would you be willing to let me serve here for no pay? How many of you are bosses? You employ other people. Let me see your hands. Okay. How many of you that would freak you out? If you laid somebody off, what's your name, sir, in the red right there? Mike. If you laid somebody off and they said, Mike, listen, I know you had to lay me off, but until I find another job, would you mind if I keep doing what I did for you for pay for free? Would that impress you? Yes. Would you think you might have laid off the wrong guy if a guy said that? Absolutely. Guess what? He did that, and he did it for six months. So the guy who was his boss said, I have never seen anything like this ever in my life. He said, I am leaving this company to start a similar company, and I want you to be my first employee. I hired him away from him. Because I'm the one that taught the guy. You don't think I want somebody like that with me? Here's my point. These guys are all servant leaders in our church. They're, they're not just, I'm a money man. They're servant leaders. <laughs> Guess what it's doing? It's affecting how much they're getting paid for where they're getting paid because they're learning that true service is not what you're paid to do. Nobody can pay you enough. True service is, the Bible says in Colossians 3, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, knowing it is from He you'll receive your inheritance and not men. When you get that mentality as a warrior, guess what happens? Everything around you goes up and is blessed because of you. That's how a warrior thinks. So all these guys are serving like that. But here's the third thing. They're all first fruiters. You know what that means? They're not tithers. They're first fruiters. You know what the difference between a tither is and a first fruiter? A tither is somebody that gives 10%. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us for every $10 that we make to give him the first. Not pay your house payment. Not pay your car payment. Not pay your bills. Not make sure your family's taken care of. But to, watch this now, not give God the first 10%, but return to God what is His. Here's what he says. Return to me the tithe. That's a first fruit. So these guys do that. But then here's the fourth thing. This is the real kicker. Every one of these guys over here, along with about 200 other plus guys in our church, have committed to give $7,500 or more over and above their first fruits to the kingdom. Some of them got lemonade stands. Some of them are... <laughs> hey, isn't it great to be in a room full of guys that say, I don't know how it's going to work in this economy, but God, my heart is to think like your son, to be a warrior. And if it's in my heart to do it, maybe Second Chronicles 16.9 is true. What does Second Chronicles 16.9 say that a lot of people are unfamiliar with? That the eyes of the Lord 
look to and fro throughout the earth to see whose heart is loyal to him so he can put his hand on him. And when you think like a warrior, here's what God does. That's my son. Why wouldn't he put his hand on you? If it's in your heart to advance the kingdom, not to build buildings. We just built a $36 million building, by the way. It's not about building buildings. In the worst economy, by the way, in history. And through the economy, we grew 21% and more every year. Why? Because of guys like them. You see, when you, when you think warrior, all of a sudden you're going, I'm put here for a kingdom purpose. So I'm connected to the house. I'm connected to my priest. I'm connected to the man of God. So as a warrior, pastor, what is it that's in your heart to do? What is it that we need to do next? What, what's, what's the thing that we need to do next? You know that, Rob, our church has never had a building program in 12 years. We bought 27 acres when we were two years old. We built our first building, which was 8.7 million when we were four years old. We just built the latest addition, which was 36 million, and we've never had a building program. Why is that? Because I don't need a bunch of warriors. I just need a few mighty men that get it. You see, hey, in case y'all didn't know it, Easter, you had about 7,000 plus people here. I didn't ask your pastor that, but I found out. (laughs) And I want you to look and see how many are here tonight. Because it ain't about the thousands that'll come. It's about the warriors that are going to make God's dream come true right here. You're that. You're the warriors. So, everything I just told you, your pastor didn't know I was going to say, by the way. I didn't even ask him for permission. Some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, that's why he brought that guy in here. Okay, I get, I get it. I get, I'm getting it. How much did he say I'm supposed to give? <laughs> Listen, 75% of men who say they're Christians never assume a place of ministry in the church. Why? Because, hey, they got a job to do, and when I have time, maybe I'll give the church some of my time. How many of you guys over here, uh, my mighty men, are business owners? I just want you to stand up. How many of you are business owners? Now, uh, Chuck is over our parking lot, but before Chuck, Chuck, you've been with us 10 years? 12 years. So we started 12 years ago. He's been with me 12 years. What's that? Okay. Yes, yeah. All right. The guy next to him is one of our core members. You'll hear about his stripper wife tomorrow. She's awesome. Anyway, it's the truth. Um, He was the guy sitting at a table, Rob, in October of 1999 that said, I said, everybody in this room is going to be a team leader. Now, we only got 25 of us, but we're starting this church. But where where are you going to lead? He said, I'll lead the parking lot. He's still over the parking lot today. Business owner. Uh, Terry, where are you serving? In the few. The few are a group of men. By the way, uh, Sheldon, how many, Sheldon leads the few. How many are a part of the few? 120. So, Rob, here's what can happen. Like, right now, if you decided uh, Wednesday night, uh, we're going we're to redo this stage. We're going to rebuild this. In fact, I want everything torn out. And you gave them a design. 120 of those guys would go to work, and they'd have it done by Wednesday. It wouldn't matter what it was. 
So he leads the few, and Terry's a part of the few. And so uh, in my, uh, 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 I'm going to make up a word here, in my spontificity, <laughs> that's spontaneity and pontification together. Uh, in my spontificity, um, there have been times where we've made a call on Sunday or on Wednesday to have something built by Sunday, and these guys and 120 of them go around the clock to make sure it happens. Crazy. They're, they're crazy. Uh, Mike Escobedo is, uh, is, has one of the top five largest veterinarian clinics in the Dallas area, and um, he's an incredible guy. And Mike, just real quick, how, how many hours would you say on an average of a week that you give at the church? Ten to twenty-five serving the church, just crazy. Anyway, that's enough bragging on those guys. But it, it's 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 why we can move the ball forward like that. And I'm just asking you, as the church, should we be able to do that? Yes. Should we be able to move the ball forward and say, God, here's what you're telling us to do. Step up and let's do it. You know. So ninety-five percent have never won one person to Christ. Why do we need to be warriors? And 100% of men who call themselves Christians expect to go to heaven. I don't serve, hadn't won anybody to Christ, don't pray, uh, never around. Praise God, I can't wait till I die. <laughs> this should be in your notes. When you elevate your thinking, you elevate your life. Come on, would you say that with me? Come on. When you elevate your thinking, you elevate your life. Let's look at warrior versus man because I want to just teach you this and then we're going to be through. Is that okay? Am I doing okay with everybody? All right. So I just really want to challenge you and I want to pull the warrior out of you. And I want to challenge your thinking uh, tonight just for a few minutes. Uh, Warrior versus man. Let's look at it. Be ready to fill in some blanks if we got it on the screen, guys. Warriors think kingdom first. Men think me first. Warriors think kingdom first. In other words, there are men who say, you know what, I'm going to put God's kingdom first. By the way, what does Scripture say about that? Seek. Come on. Seek. Come on, everybody. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. How many of you believe that God's Word is true? Come on, do you believe God's Word is true? Because here's what God says. This is Jesus' words now. This is the red ink. (laughs) Seek first my kingdom. Make that foremost in your thought processes. And righteousness. What does righteousness mean? God's way of doing things. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. His way of doing things. And all these other things will be added unto you. What do you believe in God for? In your own life, in your own business, in your own family. God's already given you the key. Seek first my kingdom and the way I, and find out the way I do things and all these other things will be added unto you. Somebody say, that's very cool. I mean, that's, that's God. That's the prescription for all the other things coming to pass. What things? He, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire. Wow. Next, warriors think war, men think struggle. You know, you're, 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 you're basically the kind of... of 
Now, I'm going to say it this way. You're the kind of warrior, whether you see yourself this way or not, you're the kind of warrior that one of two things happens when you walk into your room. When you walk into your business, when you walk into your home, when you walk wherever you walk, people may not have this conscious thought, but some people do. They either say, oh good, there he is. Or they say, oh no, there he comes. It's really true. What do people say when you walk into a room? And if you're a father, I want to ask you this question. Do your kids notice when you walk into a room? What kind of culture have you created in your family that you can walk in your room and your kid keeps doing whatever they're doing and the king just walked in? You say, what? You're a warrior. We don't think about that. We don't own that. My kids, when they were little, I've got three of them. Their names are Eeny, Meeny, and Miney because my wife said no mo. <laughs> but, but my son's 24, and my daughter's 23, and my other daughter's 21. And Rob, can I tell you this? That um, it's a dream come true that they all serve God. But it's heaven on earth that they want to work with me. It's heaven on earth. It's a dream come true that they chose to serve God. But it's heaven on earth when they say, Dad, I just want to be with you. I want to advance the kingdom with you. And if that's sweeping floors or cleaning toilets or whatever it is. I just want to be with you and I want to do kingdom with you. It's heaven on earth, men. But when my kids were little, Rob, they'd walk through the house and I wouldn't let, now and remember, you're the dad. Let me talk to the dads just first. Is anybody getting anything out of this? First of all, or am I just putting you to sleep? Are y'all okay? Okay, you okay? But so, so you're the dad, you're walking through the house and your kids are walking by you. What happens when they walk by you? Do they notice you? Do they? My kids couldn't help it. Because when they were walking by me and still it happens and they're adults now. If you come walking towards me and you're in my house, I'll lay my hands on you. Why? Because I'm the father. That means I'm the blesser. That's what I am. I'm the blesser. Why? Because I'm blessed to be. God said, first thing, he blessed me. So guess what I have the power to do with my sons and daughters? Bless them. So to this day, they, none of them, and these men can testify to it, get to be around me without my hands on them. And here's what used to happen when they were real little. I don't do this the same way. Now, I just put my hands on them. But when they were little, they'd walk by me, and I would lay my hands on their head, just, just as we're walking by. Wasn't like stopping every time, bowing to me, nothing like that. <laughs> That'd have been nice. But anyway, uh, but, but they would walk by me, and I would lay my hands on their head, and I'd go, Jesus! They'd just walk on by. It was, just, it was just like normal. You know, it's like normal stuff. Just. <laughs> There's a few times they tried to avoid me. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> now they just know when I lay my hands on them, there's an impartation that's happening right there. So they'd walk, and my little one, who's now our worship leader, married to my son in love, who 
I've known since before I was in his mother's womb. That's a whole other story. But she, um, when she was little, if I didn't lay my hands on her, she would take my hand, grab it, put it on her hand, head, and go, Yes! <laughs> Here's my point. You don't have to do that exactly that way, but you have the power to do that if you want to. You have the power to speak God over your kids. You have the power to pour Jesus into them without them even having an opinion about it. Is that speaking to anybody? Warriors think war. Men think struggle. Warriors think brave. Men think survival. Survival. Warriors think love. Men think lust. Let me give you one thought about love, and I hope this ministers to you. Great lovers are not people who love people the way they love. You see, what your parents did is the same thing my parents did. They just loved me the way they loved. And the truth is, and I love my parents, we have a great relationship today. But very few times did they love me the way I needed to be loved. They just loved me the way they loved. And so great lovers are not people that love the way they love. But great lovers are people that learn what says I love you to the people they care about the most and they love them that way. That's how a warrior thinks. In other words, don't love your wife like you love Love your, find out what says I love you to your wife and make her feel like most women will never feel. Most women, and if you want to test what I'm saying, I dare you to ask your wife this when you go home tonight or tomorrow. Ask them, do you feel deeply loved by me? And I want you to be honest. And if they will be honest, about eight out of ten of them will say, If I'm going to be honest, no. And here's what I would ask you as a warrior, as a son of God. Who makes you feel deeply loved? You see, the truth is, most of us have never experienced deep love. Why is that? Listen, let me tell you why. Because we haven't determined in our own heart and our own mind what deep love means to us. Because some of us have never been deeply loved. So how do you, how do you become a great lover? By the way, are there any men here that want to be a great lover? Come on, does anybody here want to be a great lover? All right, come on, every hand. Come on, guys. Come on. I hope you want to be a great lover. Great lovers are not people that love the way they love. But you find out what says I love you to your child and you love them that way. You can't love him like you love her and her like you love her. you got to find out how can I get into his heart and how can I get into her heart and how can I get into her heart. It's not that difficult. Why? Because when you start thinking like that as a warrior, you get empowered by God. You're supernaturally endowed to be God's son to them. 
And all of a sudden, the people around you start to feel deeply loved. And where there's been maybe dysfunction in your family or in your history, now there's function because people are feeling deeply loved. You know why there's dysfunction in the world? Can I just tell you why? Because nobody knows how to love anybody. Warriors think love. Men think lust. Warriors think decisive. Men think passive. There's a man sitting over here. Uh, Randy, just raise your hand wherever you are, Randy. Um, Randy had a brother-in-law who's a very wealthy guy who has been a part of, I do a CEO mastermind group where I meet with CEOs and some of them are sitting right over there and we talk about business and I meet with them once every six weeks and, and we, um, anyway, it's just a, it, I, a few years ago, I led this man in a, business CEO mastermind, I led him to Christ. But he's kind of just been in and out, you know, just, just a kind of typical guy. Sold his company for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And first thing he did was went out and bought his wife a brand new, what car was it, Randy? You remember? The white Maserati and bought himself a Ferrari. Um, I mean, you know, just, just, you know, living the dream, baby. Living the dream. Last Thursday before Good Friday. It was a bad Thursday when the mom had left the house and she came home and their daughter who was going to be taking her pictures that day, her 18-year-old senior pictures and she would graduate in just a few days, had hung herself in her closet. It's hard to fathom the devastation. It's hard to understand it. But as I talked with him after the funeral and we spent a little time together, the reality is, like a lot of men, especially men of means, you know, I'm making decisions all the time. I'm, you know, I'm just a hammer down mode. When I come home, you know, I just, I just, I'm just passive. I'm just kind of let my wife make the decisions and she serves at the church, but I don't, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm a business guy and I bring in the cash, but with my family, I just, you know, hey, I'm chill. I'm a chillaxer. That's where a lot of men are. That was my dad. So I want you to get this picture. And here's the picture. And I hope you never forget it. I read to you out of Genesis, the first chapter. On the next page, man has fallen. That's how long it takes us. Created in the image of God, blessed. Next page, man falls. And somehow this is the stories of man's journey back to God. And that it took the ultimate sacrifice, God's only Son, watch this now, to get us back to this. Why? 
Let me tell you what was the original sin. Eve's walking through, or Adam's walking through the garden one day. He sees his lady. From the moment I met you, standing alone. All of a sudden, Adam falls into this deep sleep. He's chillaxing. He wakes up and goes, Whoa, man, woman, whoa, man, that's your name, woman. Here's how you can know God is a male. Because man had the first baby. No pain. No breastfeeding. No diaper changing. He wakes up. Whoa. Man. Anyway. So they're living the life. They're living the life, y'all. And then all of a sudden, he's walking through the garden one day. And she's standing at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, Adam, all of this is yours. All of this is yours. Now listen, there's this one tree, and this one tree is mine. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's not about the fruit that's on that tree, but Adam, listen to me. That's the one way in your life that you're going to prove that I'm God. I'm God, and I have to have a system in place that this is mine. And it's called the first fruit. Not the third dollar. Not the eighth dollar. Because it's not about the dollar. It's about honor. I set up a system because if you were to ask God, listen to me now. This is real important. I'm closing with this. If you were to ask God, God, what's more important to you than anything else? You know what some people would say? Well, that God, that you're loved. I mean, because God is love and that you're loved. Now, let me tell you what the most important thing to God is tonight. As God's son, let me tell you God's sons. What's more important to our father and our warrior, dad, than anything else? Honor. Honor. Because honor opens the door for love. You know why that lady that you fell in love with fell in love with you? Because she felt honored by you, not loved by you. She felt honored by you. And you know how people fall out of love? Not because they really fall out of love, but they fall out of honor. So here's what happened. Adam, that's mine. He's walking through. All of a sudden he sees Eve and she's standing there. And he walks over right beside her and she's having a conversation with the serpent. And he just stands there. And the serpent says, Genesis 3, did God really say that you're not supposed to eat of any of the trees of the garden? Eve said, no, that's not what God said. What God said was we're just not supposed to eat of this tree. Adam's standing right there. 
Not saying a word, just letting the conversation happen. Because he's been tending the garden. He's been doing his deal. He's been making the money. He's been providing for the family. And she's having a conversation with the serpent. Well, God just knows, Eve, that when you eat of that tree, you'll be like him. And the Bible says that Eve saw that it was good for food, and she saw it, and she desired it to make her wise. And the Bible says she took it, and she ate it. And how do we know where Adam was? She gave it to him. Standing right there. That's the original sin. Warriors, listen to me. The original sin is somehow we think being passive is okay with our wife, with our family. Not in business now. In church. And we fall into original sin. It's not lust. It's not sex. It's not dope, it's not prostitutes, it's not all those things we call sin, it's passivity. And let me just show you this picture. Here's what should have happened. Let's rewind. Eve, what are you doing? Just a minute, Adam, I'm talking to somebody. No, Eve, what are you doing? Uh, you're, you're talking to the serpent. Hey, listen, Adam, I'll talk to you in just a minute. Eve, we're having a conversation. All of a sudden, here's what Adam should have done. Stepped in front of Eve, looked at that serpent, said, let me tell you how it's going to work. This is how it works. You see, you see, I am Adam. I know you don't know what that means, serpent. So you weren't talking to me. You were talking to my wife. So now you're talking to me. So let me just explain what this means. Adam, in the Hebrew, serpent, means the ultimate male. I didn't name myself that. My father did. And by the way, one of his names is warrior. And you see, where you had just stepped across the line, serpent, was... You knew it wouldn't work to talk to me, so you're talking to my wife, and that's the way you always do. So, so here's the deal. From this point on, you talk to me. If you got somebody you want to talk to, you talk to me. Because if you don't, I'm going to grab your neck, and I'm going to jerk your head off because I have dominion over you, and then you will crawl the rest of your life. That's the way it'll work. But, but watch this. That didn't happen. Because Adam didn't take his place. That's your greatest temptation. Warriors, listen to me. It's your greatest temptation. Your greatest temptation is not sex. Your greatest temptation is not purity. Your greatest temptation is not pornography. Your greatest temptation is not all those things that we think is me. Your greatest temptation is not to, watch this, step up. And say, here's who I am. Let me close real quick. Here it is. 
Warriors think faith. Men think fear. Warriors think price. It's going to be on the screen. Warriors think price. Men think free. So faith, price. The next one, warriors think excellence. Men think average. Warriors think follow. Men think resistance. You say, Keith, now wait a minute, what does that mean? Warriors think follow. Men think resistance. Is everybody with me? Y'all following me? Okay, listen to me. You know what's the most difficult thing for us to do as men? Watch this. Is to follow another man. Because if I make more money than you, why should I follow you? If I see myself as better than you, why should I follow? Warriors think follow. Men think resistance. You know what's in our nature and it comes through our passivity? Is well, I'm not going to do that. Uh, nah. So, so Rob, my dad, the board member, he'd go to church and this was his posture. And they'd sit around on the third or fourth row. And here's how my dad would sit in church. One day I said, Dad, why do you close your eyes in church? He goes, because that's where I sleep. That's where I take a nap. I work so hard, son, I just come here and I, I can just rest. That's what he do in church, sleep. Yeah, I'm not throwing my dad under the bus. I'm just telling you how I grew up. What's the resistance? I'm not going to do that. I don't believe that. Now, the tithing thing. I've... Everybody look at somebody, look at another man and say, just follow. Come on, just look at it. Look at another man and say, hey, just follow. Because here's why. If you're too big to follow, you're too small to lead. Warriors think honor. Men think insecure. It's very hard to honor people when you're insecure about yourself because you're wanting the honor. That's why when you honor God, it deals with your insecurity. All right, my hands are already raised. How many of you are a little bit insecure? Let me just see your hands if you're a little bit insecure. Come on, let me see your hands. All right, you know what we all are. Guess what is the antidote for our insecurity? Honor God. Honor, honor, honor our wives. Honor our children. Honor the people in our life. Honor our pastor. Warriors think generosity. Men think self, fish, me. It could be self-hunt me. It could be self-golf me. It could be self-whatever-I-want-to-do-me. That's how men think, warriors think, generosity. I love what the Bible says in Isaiah 32.8. It says, the generous devise generous things, and by generosity they'll live. When's the last time you tried to figure out how you could be more generous? The generous devise generous things. Warriors think strategic. Men think whatever. Whatever. And if I can just speak to you as a, as a father, don't ever let whatever be said at your house. 
My kids got to do it once. Whatever. I'm about to lay some Jesus on you right, right up in here. We, we, we don't say whatever. No, no, it's not whatever. Everybody say never whatever. Warriors think future. Men think past. Oh, man, I just can't get over that. I just can't. Oh, man, I just. Uh, uh. Warriors think seed. Men think money. Everybody say this with me. You can speak and write at the same time. Just say this. Say, all my increase begins with my seed. Just always remember that. Anything in your life that you want to increase begins with your seed. Warriors think gain, men think pain. I know I shouldn't mention it, but Vince Lombardi. Some of you will appreciate it, some of you won't. Down in Dallas, we got our tail kicked first couple of times by the Green Bay Packers. We know no pain. Thank you, Vince. Warriors think leadership. Men think normalship. I wish I had time to go there, but I'll just simply say this. God's called you to be a warrior. That means He's called you to lead. Ephesians 1, 19-23 says this, All this energy issues from Christ. God raised Him from, the de- from death and set Him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power is exempt from His rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. Has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and He acts by which He fills everything with His presence. We are the church. Come on. We are the warriors. We are the men. Would you stand with me, please? I want you just to lift up your hands. Come on, as warriors in this house, just lift up your hands all across this place. We're going to worship God for just a few minutes. As we worship God, I'm going, to, I'm going to be led by the Spirit here just for a minute as we wind down. But I want to do something because I know that God is speaking to some of you right now. But I want us just to get into His presence for a moment. I want, to, I want us to just understand that God is for us. And if God is for us, who really can be against us? Listen, you need to be encouraged tonight. God is for you. Nobody's here condemning you. Nobody's here telling you what you're not. My assignment tonight is to tell you what you are. That you are not just a man. You're not just a boy. You're not just a male. You are a son of the living God. And He's called you to be His warrior. In other words, wherever you go, that you have dominion. And that starts on the inside. Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes. Come on, guys. Come on, man. Lift up your hands. Come on. And if I God is with us, then what can say?
for you. Come on. Thank you, God. Come on, worship him tonight. He's your warrior God. Our God is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Come on, sing that as God's son. Come on, just sing that. Come on. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome and power. Our God. Our God. Now I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want you to bow your head and I want you to open up your heart to God right now in this moment. Because the truth is tonight, the clarion call from the Holy Spirit himself is to say, you're my son. God's calling you out from where you've been to say, you know what? It's not about what you haven't been. It's what I've created you to always be. And it's nights like this where God says, it's time. It's time to step up. And it's not just time to step up and be a better Christian. It's not just time to step up and be a better man. It's not just a time to step up and do more good. But it's a time to say, God, I want to be the warrior that you've created me to be. You see, what this world needs is not another politician. What this world needs is not another church, not even another pastor. But what this world does desperately need is just one man who will take his assignment on earth seriously and say, you know what? I am a son of God. I'm blessed and I'm blessed to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion. I'm blessed to do that. And so God, for God, with God, by God, that's what I'm going to do. That's what the world is in desperate need of. He's in desperate need of it. And if you're here, listen to me. This isn't for everybody. But if you're here and you would just be honest enough before God to say, you know what? The truth is, I haven't been. I haven't been. I don't know where you are with God tonight. You know what's great about a church like this? This is what's called, in case you don't know, a life-giving church. And you know what life-giving churches do? They don't condemn you for what you're not. They speak the truth, and the truth is spoken in such a way that your heart is able to respond. Why? Because it's God calling Himself out of you and yet calling you to Himself at the same time. If you're a man and you were just listening and you said, man, that's me. I just haven't been that warrior. I have not been that What's great about a church like this is there's no condemnation. It's not, a, it's not an issue of, of, well, you should have been that. No, no, no. It's just, hey, we're stepping up. We're stepping up. And I'm going to tell you, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to say, you know what? And again, maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been away from God. Maybe you've been serving God, but you just, God's saying, you know what? It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new commitment. I'm going to be the warrior that God wants me to be. And it starts right here. And if that's you, I want you to step out from where you are. And I want you to get down here as quick as you can. Come on, right now. Right now. I haven't been, but I'm going to be. Come on. And if our God is for us. Come on. Come on, men. Come on, warriors. Come on. Come on. 
Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. God is for you. Then what could stand again? Come on, man. Get those hands up. Come on. Let's worship him. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, come on my guys are going to pray for you guys, come on go pray for them, come on, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, Awesome in power, I got, I got. Now, guys, listen to me. What's so important about a weekend like this? Why do you need to be sure and get back here tomorrow? Not because you need more teaching. Listen to me. But because God is imparting something into the core warriors of this church. That's who y'all are. The core warriors of this church, and if you will get it this weekend, I'm going to tell you something. Not only is everything going to change around here at an exponential rate for the glory of God, but watch this. It's going to happen in your business. It's going to happen in your family. It's going to happen in your marriage. I'm not just pontificating to you. I'm telling you it's the truth. There's weekends like this, and the mandate and the anointing that's on me and it's on the mighty men and part of the reason your pastor brought us in was to say you know what this is a new season for you it's a new season for your business some of you listen some of you've been through the toughest times in your business i'm gonna just tell you listen to me because here's what the spirit of god is speaking to me by august you're gonna see the turn and that's for some specific people not everybody but you know who you are there's stuff in the works. There's stuff God doing right now that you don't even know He's doing. And your part is what you're doing right now so God can do it. But it's going to happen. Mark it down tonight. Mark it down that I said that. And then when it happens, don't forget that God told you that and tell your pastor, it happened. Why? Because that's the prophetic nature of a son of God operating as a warrior. He speaks for his father. And that's what I've done just then. So right now, reach over and lay your hands on, on each other. Come on, guys, on your shoulders right now. And come on, as warriors right now, we're just going to pray for each other. Father, I thank you right now that in this house, we are not just one, but your word says one puts a thousand to flight, two put 10,000 to flight. Your word says that if any two of us will agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And Father, I thank you that right now the tide is turning at River Valley Church. God, the warriors are arising. And Lord, there's going to be a spirit in this place like there's never been before. This Saturday and this Sunday, everything goes up in this church. I thank you that even this weekend, God, that the finances are going to be better than they've been all year because there's going to be some warriors that step up and say, God, I'm putting you first. I'm going to honor you. And God, everything from this point forward in this church is going to go up, up, up. And I thank you for that, God. I declare it over these men and over these great warriors. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would do a deep work. Lord, that every man here would know that he has the capacity and the potential 
to be a great warrior. And great warriors are great lovers. God, I pray that you would teach us to love more deeply than we've ever loved. Teach us to love you, God, the way that you want to be loved. Now, everybody look up here at me just a second. I've already said it, but I want to say it again. Matthew 7. Many will come to me in that day and they'll say, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Look what we did, man. I, look, I did this and I did this. And he'll say, well, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I didn't know you. And here's what that means. You never knew what was most important to me. Let me tell you what's most important to God. Is that the true warriors of this house would get honor. You know what? We're going to be warriors that lead our families. And no matter what, God, we're always going to honor you. We're always going to honor you. And out of that honor would flow generosity. And out of that honor... God would begin to open the windows of heaven and just pour out blessings on you. I'm telling you, that's His will. That He pours out blessings on you that you cannot contain. So if you could see it, here's the way it looks. Honor, generosity, bam, blessing. And what you're doing tonight by even being here, that's the first step in honor. For you guys that came forward, the second step of honor is to say, God, I haven't been the warrior you've wanted me to be. I'm stepping out. God goes... That's my boy. That's my man. That's my son. That's my warrior. He just made a step towards me. He honored me. Bam. And then you know what? You know that you're not in it alone. We're doing it together. Amen. Not one man here has it all together. Not one of us. But guess what? Together, we're stronger than we ever were by ourselves. So right now, come on, guys, let's lift up our hands. And one more time, let's just honor God. And pastor's going to come. But I want you just to really honor the Lord. Come on. Our God is greater. Let's sing it. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than. Come on, men, really sing it out. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than any other, our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God, come on now give God a warrior yell, come on guys, I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. We had our biggest weekend ever last week, just like you guys probably did. And then I had this funeral this week where literally dozens and dozens of people said, we got to come to your church. An agnostic lawyer wept at the whole funeral for this little girl that I did and said, I've got to come to church. I don't go to church. I've got to come. Why am I telling you that? Because I wanted to be here this week. You know why? Because I'm on an assignment from God with you. 
to become the warrior and the warriors that God wants us to be. So I want to tell you how honored that I am and my mighty men are to be in the room with you guys. We're just going to have an awesome time this weekend. And I just want to thank you, honestly, for just taking the time. And most of you don't know who in the world I am, and that's great, frankly, because that way there's nothing that can block God from moving in your life. There's no predisposition or pre-thought. I don't know oftentimes why God puts me in those situations, but He just seems to do it just so He can flow, you know, through my weirdness. We all got weirdness, you know. Y'all know that, right? But here's what I want to tell you. Listen, you got a great leader. I'm not saying that just to flatter him. I'm saying he's a man that wants his warriors, God's warriors, to get it. And we're all in this together. And I'm just telling you, everything changes this weekend. I'm prophesying now for the better for you. Everything changes this weekend for the better. I want to just say one thing. Tomorrow, Pastor Rob, come up and join me. Tomorrow, um, I'll talk a little bit about more of some of the stuff, resources that I brought uh, out there and that I think will be a blessing to you and help you. But, um, you know, we we do the T-shirt deal. And the reason we do the T-shirt deal is because it's just a message, man. You can't imagine us walking through the airport or when you wear a T-shirt, somebody goes, what's that mean? People just have no concept. But we got some T-shirts out there and they just say warrior on them. Joel 3, 9 says, awaken the mighty men. That's what it's about. And if you get a t-shirt, I'd like you to wear it tomorrow. And I'd like you to, uh, I'm, I want to give you a, what I call the warrior mandate. It's a series that, that I did that costs more than the, you'll pay for the shirt, honestly. But I want to give you that when you get a shirt. And um, what I want to tell you is this. I just, I really believe, Rob, in my heart prophetically that, you know, there's a lot of places that I go. And years ago, I was one of the Promise Keepers speakers and all that stuff. And so I've done a lot of men's stuff is what I'm trying to say. But there's places like this that I come. And you just got to know, I never come to do a gig. I really feel impressed that when God strategically takes me to places that there's something that he's going to do. And in every church, it's happened. And so I'm just telling you guys, just get ready. Because this is not just a meeting. This is God doing something deep in us that's going to grow something in us that God's been waiting for it to grow. So, Rob, I'm just honored. Thank you so much for having me and having our men. And I know it went a little bit long tonight. I promise I won't go that long tomorrow. But I just wanted to, I wanted to just take some time and just share my heart with you if that was okay tonight. So, anyway, I love you. God bless you. Thank you, Rob. Good. Awesome. Man, if you didn't if you didn't get something out of that tonight, then you weren't here. I mean, that was incredible. And there were so many times I was like, that was incredible. That was and it feels I, I agree with what you're saying. It's the right time. It's the right time in, in so many ways uh, for this message to be delivered to our men. And uh, my boys leaned over to me 
as, as Pastor Keith was talking about his mighty men, and they said, are you going to do that here? And I'm like, I just pause for a second, and they're like, you have to. You have to. I'll lead it. We'll organize it. You become it. I mean, it's, it's time. I believe God is raising up our church, and uh, the best is yet to come. I believe that. I believe that. I believe it. I believe it. And I could tell you, I could tell you, uh, right now, I just could tell you over and over, it, it's not a problem of vision. It's not a problem of finances. The issue has always been, will there be men to stand in the gap? Yeah. It always has been. It always has. Matter of fact, the only, do you not realize this? The only thing that Jesus ever said to pray for so his church would move forward, the only thing he said, he said, pray that people would be willing to go into the harvest and work for the Lord of the harvest. He never said, pray that we get enough money. Pray that the government will be friendly. Pray that the people will come along. He just said, pray that people will step up. Pray that people will step up. And I'm just praying that this weekend is a weekend for stepping up, for stepping up. And that's you. That's all of us. Stepping up. No more disqualifying. Stepping up and receiving all that God has for you. Man, I want to pray a blessing for a step up blessing now on you. God, I pray that what's been done tonight, what has been started, would be a step up blessing for these men. No longer passive, but a step up blessing in this church. You've called me to lead this local church, but we're following you and the plan that you have for this community and for this world. And in this local church, in this house, we are going to step up. We are going to step up because you've called us to reach this area and to step up and use our gifts to reach these people. And so we thank God that there are men that, here, that are here that have stepped up and have come a long ways to share that they're stepping up but these men are no different, and I pray they would step up and they'd receive a blessing to step up and to think warrior. And so I pray this over our men, and I pray this over our young men, that they would not disqualify. They are called to be leaders. They are called to step up. We are called to do more. Our best days are in front of us. And we pray this over your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You step it up. Step it up.